Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm John Weeks and this is The Leader. I think today's one of the darkest days in the history of the Met Police Service, which is almost 200 years old. Uh, and what Dame Lewis Casey has found is that the Met Police Service is institutionally racist, institutionally homophobic and institutionally misogynistic, and I accept those findings. The Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, giving his verdict on a damning 360-page report into the state of the Met Police. It was put together by Baroness Dame Louise Casey, who denounced a catalogue of failings at Scotland Yard, infecting every level of the force. She said that the protection of women had also been thrown out of the window. At the moment that Sarah Everard was raped, abducted, raped and then murdered by a serving police officer, I find it extraordinary that in policing and in the Met Police, That wasn't their moment of like a plane falling out of the sky. I just think it is so dreadful and, you know, has to be a moment that change came. Change didn't come, so now this report has to carry that and has to take responsibility for getting the change needed. Uh, that we should have had at the point that that young woman lost her life. Responding to the report, head of the Metropolitan Police, Sir Mark Rowley, accepted that there is racism, misogyny and homophobia in the force, but said he wouldn't use the same terms as Baroness Casey. Joining me now to go through the report is the Evening Standard's Home Affairs editor, Martin Bentham. So, Martin, a really damning report by Baroness Dame Louise Casey. Can you talk us through the key, the most shocking findings? Well, there are so many, I think. The overarching findings of the Metropolitan Police is, in essence, beset with problems at almost every level, in, in almost every aspect. So the, the most eye-catching findings, I suppose, are that she finds that it's institutionally uh, racist, misogynistic and homophobic and, and gives very graphic and disturbing details of instances of uh, discriminatory behaviour towards members of the public and indeed police staff as well, police officers and police staff as well. So there's, that's a very eye-catching finding, clearly. And then there are, I suppose, the more bread-and-butter problems identified that although she says that the impact of austerity has affected the Met, that the choices about spending that would be made by the Met and the deployment of its resources have not been appropriate and have left the front line 
uh, neighbourhood policing teams degraded and dilapidated, not with the resources they need, while there's been plenty of resource at headquarters for human resources, external consultants, and some of the uh, the more elitist teams like the Firearms Unit and the Parliamentary and Diplomatic Protection Command, which has had an impact on the service that ordinary Londoners would get day in, day out. And, and there are graphic examples of that, for example, about uh, rape investigation teams, officers there with unmanageably high, as she describes it, caseloads of 20 to 30 cases each, in what are obviously very complex cases and, and very difficult cases to deal with, and samples taken from rape victims crammed into fridge freezers that are far too overcrowded, one of them breaking down and samples being lost, another one being contaminated because somebody put the lunchbox inside it. Lots of practical uh, sort of bread and butter failings as well as the as well as the cultural attitudinal failings which have been perhaps more familiar in recent weeks and months with some of the disclosures in the wake of the convictions of Wayne Cousins and then David Carrick, the serial rapist. So I think it's a, a particularly troubling report. I mean, it's clearly, frankly, the worst report in the Met's history. You know, so many issues there, really. Systemic issues, the more bread and butter ones, as you talked about. What sort of recommendations has Baroness Casey made in the report, but also outside of it in interviews? Well, she talks about better supervision for the Met, a new policing board for London, because one of the concerns, she says, is that the accountability of the Met is deficient, that it's too closed, a sort of an arrogant attitude of it knows best and a lack of humility. It's clear that whatever the monitoring systems that there are in place to ensure the Met does what it should do, those systems haven't been working she also talks about specific things like, of course, tackling clearly the discriminatory culture and trying to change that in narrowing the diversity gap by trying to get a higher number of officers from ethnic minority and, and other diverse backgrounds into the force to, to match the population of London. Now, that's something the force has been obviously trying to do. That's another area and try to rebuild its relationship with women and children who she says have been left behind her backstop recommendation is that if those and the other recommendations in the report fail, that maybe the Met needs to be broken up into different parts with national and local responsibilities dealt with differently within the force. So are we expecting some sort of announcement from Sir Mark Rowley and the Met on what recommendations they're actually going to take on? Well, they've already got a, what they call a turnaround plan, which they they published in January and Sir Mark Rowley has said that, obviously, in the light of these findings, there will be an updated turnaround plan which will reflect some of the the additional findings that Louise Casey has made in this report. And, and I suppose that's when we'll see the first signs of exactly how they're going to try to, to respond. I think, in essence, the Met has said it wants to implement all the different changes that that she is talking about in the report today. The question, as I say, is, is how they do that. He says it'll be, uh, it's a big mission, it's a long task, it's not a, a five-second job, of course, but he hopes and intends that month by month, quarter by quarter, that small improvements will start to be seen and be made. He argues they've already been made since he took over and that uh, within a couple of years, the public should be able to see a noticeable difference. Let's take a break now. In part two, Dr. Jessica Taylor, a chartered psychologist and CEO of Victim Focus, tells us how negative cultures like those seen in the Met can form 
you know, the hierarchy almost lends itself well to corruption and cover-ups and things like that. And, you know, that's not just police forces, you get that in the military. Anywhere really where there's a very strong hierarchical culture where you know you can't question anybody above you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Joining me now is Dr. Jessica Taylor, chartered psychologist and CEO of Victim Focus, who's worked in police forces, the NHS and other sectors against all forms of victim blaming. So, Jessica, I've read through your Twitter thread today about the Casey report. It seems initially that you weren't particularly surprised with some of the findings. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I know that might sound quite depressing, but I'm not surprised at all. Um, I'm working with a number of police forces across the UK and it's very similar. I know that the Met has got a lot of attention on them at the moment. I understand how important this report is, but there's nothing in there that surprised me or shocked me. It's what I expected to find. And I think that it was important for the Met to have this level of scrutiny needed to happen, especially because they've got this additional culture for some reason around, you know, defensiveness and almost being above scrutiny. You talked about seeing similar negative cultures within other forces and organisations. What causes that to sort of occur? I have been looking into these cultures and I've been doing this kind of, you know, confidential and um, anonymous consultation and research with these police forces now for three or four years. Really intense work, spoken to thousands of officers now. The cultures develop for a number of reasons. The first is that, you know, a police force is extremely hierarchical, which means that there are certain cultures that breed there faster because there isn't upward scrutiny. So, for example, if you know that your sergeant is racist or misogynistic or has covered something up or done something bad, you are in a very powerful dynamic with them where, you know, you're at the bottom of the power dynamic. You can't, it's not really seen as the done thing to report somebody who's your senior. You're not able to scrutinise your senior. They have a lot of power over your promotion, over where you work, whether you get moved, whether you're bullied, whether you're discriminated against you know, the hierarchy almost lends itself well to corruption and cover-ups and things like that. And, you know, that's not just police forces, you get that in the military. Anywhere really where there's a very strong hierarchical culture where you know you can't question anybody above you. And because there's so many levels of power and hierarchy in a police force, you know, it's very difficult to do anything really around 
the leadership you know like if you're just an officer that's seeing everything go wrong and you think that the culture is terrible you know you you don't feel able to question I don't know the chief inspectors or you know commanders like somebody where you're sort of saying look there's this massive problem nobody's listening to me you're not really able to do that because there's a hierarchy in place and you don't feel able to so there's that often people believe that police forces and police officers will hold better values better ethics better attitudes better cultures around you know social issues oppression discrimination than the general public will and i think that people want to believe that because they're the police and they're in charge of everybody else but that's not true because police forces are a reflection of society they are made up of the general public and so when you test attitudes of police officers versus a general public sample they often score exactly the same so a big question for you now jessica how does an organisation like the Met Police go about actually changing these cultures and attitudes? And can it be done from the inside? Culture change has to be done from the inside and from the outside at the same time. You have to have internal buy-in. And specifically, you have to have leadership buy-in, otherwise this won't work. So whenever I'm doing cultural change work with police forces, I always start with leadership. If you don't capture the leadership right at the top of these police forces and figure out how they really feel about these issues, you know, I run leadership debate programs and workshops around misogyny and around racism and around oppression. And the SLT, so the senior leadership teams, initially will believe they're all on the same page until you get them in a room together and start debating some of these issues. And I've worked with police forces where at least half of the SLT don't even believe misogyny exists. They don't believe it exists in the world, let alone in their force. I've worked with forces that categorically disagree in their SLT about racism, homophobia, sexism, you know, women's rights even. I've worked with forces that are anti-feminist and they're very, very strongly anti-feminist. They're not interested in anything to do with, you know, things like white ribbon campaign. They hate stuff around he for she. It annoys them. You know, they don't want to do this kind of work that addresses Borg and addresses misogyny. They feel like they're being forced into it by the media. These cultures and attitudes, they do exist. It's just that we're not talking about these underlying cultures and beliefs in the open. There's more news, interviews and analysis in the evening Standard newspaper and at standard.co.uk. That's The Leader. Thanks for listening. We're back tomorrow afternoon at four o'clock. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 